0: Robert Johnson is considered the king of the Delta blues. He's also considered the father of rock and roll. It is very significant that Johnson would be considered the father of rock and roll, as it is alleged that he had sold his soul to Satan in Clarksdale, Mississippi, in exchange for guitar playing abilities and worldwide fame.
1: Welcome back to Conspiracy Club. I'm Tom, and I'm Amir, And this week, Amir's taking over. This might be a two-part. This might be mini such. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we're we're gonna double record for a spring break.
0: We're running on the you know highway in this one, you know. I never heard that term back. Yes, you have. You just did. All right, I'll take it. And so
1: we're gonna get into some uh, some devilish stuff today. Some, some nasty
0: shit. Wow. No, it's not nasty. We're talking about Robert Leroy Johnson. I can't wait. He's a blues singer. He's talked about as the uh, one of the pioneers, the first, the originals of rock and roll. He was, you know, inducted into the very first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 1986, and he was ranked fifth all-time on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Guitarists of All Time list. Really? Fifth? Yep. Yeah. So... We could talk about we can hit up his you know, where, his early life, because you know it's he was born in 1911, possibly. They don't know. Yeah. Oh. He's a black guy, and it's 1911. Yeah, but that's like. They don't keep documents. I guess that's yeah fair. for you guys. They have documents, but for us, they're like Wait, oh. you're black. They, they're like Jim Belushi. He was born, I don't know. I don't know when he was born. <laughs> ship him on. All but, right. What?
1: Anything? I was going to say, do you want to give them a hint of what this is talk what we're talking about, or are you just going to get into it and not talk about why we're talking about a rock star?
0: I don't know why we're talking about a rock star. You tell me.
1: Well, maybe, because he doesn't own the rights to his own soul.
0: Ah, yeah, okay, so... The whole thing with him is he might have sold his soul and a to the devil in order to become a good guitarist and a good performer and blues artist. But we're going to talk about that later on. Okay. I'm so let's get to the start of his life because you got to start somewhere in every biopic. So he was born in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Possibly on May 8th, 1911, to Julia Major Dodds, who was born October 1874, and Noah Johnson, who was born December 1884. Ooh, Miss Johnson was robbing the cradle. (laughs) Uh, Julia was married to Charles Dodds, uh, born February 1865, who was a landowner and a furniture maker, with whom she had ten children. Wow, well, I guess it was that time. And then uh, Charles Dodds had been forced by a lynch mob to leave Hazelhurt despite a dispute with white landowners. Julia left Hazelhurst with baby Robert, but after two years, sent the boy to Memphis to live with her husband, who had changed his name to Charles Spencer. Robert rejoined his mother around 1919 in the Mississippi Mississippi Delta area near, near Robertsonville. They lived on the Abbey. And Leatherman Plantation, Julia's new husband, known as Dusty Willis, was twenty-four years. Oh, what years- a name! Yep, was everyone had a wild name back then. Dusty, Dusty Willis was twenty-four years her junior. You look Dusty. And Robert was remembered. <laughs> Robert was remembered by some residents as Little Robert Dusty. But he was registered at the Tunicas Indian Creek School as Robert Spencer in the 1920 census. He's listed as Robert Spencer living in Lucas, Arkansas, with Will and Julia Willis. Roberts was at school in 1924 and 1927. And then the quality of his signature on his marriage certificate suggested he was relatively well educated for a boy of his background. He had a friend named Willie Coffey who got interviewed later on who talked about Robert as a uh, as a youth already known for playing the harmonica and the jaw harp coffee recalled that Robert was absent for long periods which suggested that he may, may have been living and studying in Memphis after school and then Robert adopted the surname of his natural father signing himself as Robert Johnson on a certificate of his marriage to 16 year old Virginia Travis Oh This is February 1929 Yeah I this guess This is hella common Yeah It just doesn't make it any less gross I mean it's gross now In 1929 It was just like uh-huh. What was he like I don't even know how old She's he was 16 old. Yeah, She's a woman I don't know how old he might have been back then He probably might have been Maybe like I don't know What year is this? This is 1929
1: So what He's 17 years old So I guess Well 18 years old So yeah. it's not that I guess it's yeah i mean it's only two years but still
0: still this is like i just consider that back then as like this was the 20 and 21 of back then you Mm, know interesting she died in childbirth childbirth shortly after surviving relatives of virginia told the blues researcher robert mccormick that this was a divine punishment for robert decision to sell secular songs known as selling your soul to the Devil." So he was selling secular songs so
1: anti-religious, or not anti-religious, but non-religious music. mm mm-hmm. And it's basically selling out to the
0: devil. Mm-hmm. Wow. McCormick believed that Johnson himself accepted a phrase as a description of his resolve to abandon the settled life of a husband and a farmer to become a full-time blues musician. So uh, uh, blues artist, Son House, which is, everyone has a wild name back then. He moves to Robertsonville around this time, and he also remembers Johnson as a little boy who was a really good harmonica player, but a terrible, embarrassing, awful guitarist. Really? Yes. Interesting. Soon after, Johnson left Robertsonville for an area around Martinsville, close to his birthplace, possibly searching for his father his natural father and this is where he perfected the guitar style of house and learned other styles from Isaiah Zimmerman Zimmerman was rumored to have had learned to supernaturally play guitar by, supernaturally yes by visiting gravestri- I mean, graveyards at midnight so when the ghost teach him yeah the ghost came up and said hey boy let me teach you how to play this goddamn guitar <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep, that's how all of this sounds to me but, uh, When Johnson next appeared in Robinsonville He seemed to have miraculously acquired a guitar technique So this is like So he leaves terribly Like imagine you're like Imagine it's you, right? Yep 1929 I can't play the guitar Why, boy Tom And we're friends I can't play guitar at all oh, okay. It's me I'm terrible at guitar I leave
1: and I go wow, on he's don't, never gonna learn how yep, to play the guitar. You don't see
0: me for about maybe like, you know, a, a year or something. I know where I just reappear one day and, and you I'm are just, the greatest guitar yeah, player just I've ever seen in my life. What are you thinking?
1: I say, you've been going to graveyards? You've been going to graveyards, learning from them ghosties. I learned from
0: posty. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. Posty, Posty Malone. As I unwrap my peppermint. Because Grant has nothing else in his house to eat.
1: Wow! Yep. Yeah. I, I saw him eating uh, some shoe leather yeah, earlier. Fucking, so it's
0: you would think a homeless person lives here. <laughs> <laughs> How much absent food there is, but uh, so Zimmerman was rumored to have learned. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm past that point. So at this point, uh, they believe that Johnson began his pact with the devil.
1: Somewhere in between the, the yeah, last somewhere
0: song. in between that time, and he was asked whether he attributed Johnson's technique. This is house son's house. He was asked if he thinks that Robert, you know, acquired this to that. And his answer is son's answer is, is yes, he believes he did. His son does, no son's house. The artist, oh, okay, who knew Robert, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, Yeah, that's how that son did it. Wow, because he couldn't play.
1: Interesting. How superstitious are these people at this time? Very. It
0: was 1929. So probably very. Yeah. Books were in a And religious.
1: Yeah. So they're like, wow, he's better than me all of a sudden? Yeah. Has to be the devil.
0: Has to be the goddamn devil. Goddamn. Mama said, Mama says they're playing the guitars for the devil. (laughs) (laughs) So while living in Martinsville, Johnson fathered a child with Virgie Maysmith. He married Coletta Claft in May 1931, and in 1932, the couple moved to Clarksdale, Mississippi. Claretta died, or er, Coletta died in childbirth, and Johnson left for a career as a walking musician. Wait, his, his,
1: he married again? Yes. And then she also died yes. in childbirth? He's like, Devil's like, I will take your firstborn and your secondborn. Wait, did his kids live?
0: Yeah, I think his kids live. Oh, they're like, I'll Just take your first, first wife and, your, and second your second wife.
1: One. I will spare your first and second born. <laughs> yes. But your wives, I'm taking them.
0: So then from 1932 until his death in 1938, Johnson starts moving frequently between the cities of Memphis and Helena or Helena, and the smaller towns of Mississippi and the, neighbor, the neighboring regions of Mississippi and Arkansas. On occasion, he traveled much farther. Uh, blues musician Jimmy Shines accompanies him to Chicago, Texas, and New York and Canada, Kentucky, and Indiana. Henry Townsend, another artist, shared a musical engagement with him in St. Louis. In many places, he stayed with members of his large extended family or with female friends. <laughs> <laughs> he did not marry again, but formed some long-term relationships with women to oh, whom... I'm sure he did. He, yes, he did. He would return periodically. In other places he stayed with the women he seduced at his first performance. In each location, Johnson's hosts were largely ignorant of his life elsewhere. He used different names in different places, employing at least eight different distinct surnames. Really? So he's changed his name. So he doesn't get caught? yeah. And plus it was back that then where you used, used to be able to just get someone pregnant and then go to another town. And they couldn't find you. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, God damn, when did Robert went? His name was Robert McClelland. Yeah. And they're like, uh, all right, uh, well, uh, we're never finding him. Yep. Uh, musicians who knew Robert in different contexts, Shines who traveled with him essentially knew him as uh, Robert Lockwood Jr., Oh no, he knew him as Robert Johnson. Robert Lockwood Jr. knew him as his mother's partner, David Honeyboy Edwards. Honeyboy. Yep. Whose cousin Willie May Powell had a relationship with Johnson too. So a lot of people try to via like accounts try to summarize how he was as a person because it's really hard because no one was really, you know, keeping shit. Mm-hmm. They say he was well mannered. He was soft spoken. He was indecipherable, and as for his character, everyone seemed to agree that while he was present and outgoing in public, in private he was reserved and liked to go his own way. That's interesting. As during he was a womanizer, essentially. Yeah. Yes, he was. He's was, he was getting his his, his mm, Johnson off. No. His Robert. His, little Bobby. Yeah. His little pants. <laughs> his penis. Stop. <laughs> musicians I, I'm with Grant. <laughs> <laughs> musicians who knew Johnson testified that he was a nice guy and fairly average, except for, of course, his musical talent. His, weak, his weakness was for whiskey and women. Whiskey is going to come down. Oh, yeah? Remember the whiskey thing. Because it's right. going to come back later on. All right.
1: Whiskey. Weakness for whiskey.
0: Yep. And his commitment to the road. So when he would uh, r- arrive, so when Johnson gets to a new town... He would do, like, he'll play for tips on corners and then in front of barbershops or restaurants. And then he didn't, uh, he said in, okay, in live, often live performances, Johnson did not focus on his dark and complex original composition, but instead he would try to just please audiences by performing the well-known pop standards of the day. So he wasn't really doing blues. And he had an ability to pick up tunes at the first hearing. So he'd hear it and be like, oh, shit. That's
1: interesting, especially considering how bad he was at the beginning. Now he can just learn it by hearing it.
0: Yes. Yes. He had no trouble giving audiences what they wanted. And then they later remarked on his interest in jazz and country music. He also had an uncanny ability to establish a rapport with his audience in every town in which he stopped. He would establish ties to the local community that would serve him well when he passed through again a month or a year later. So, uh, shines who was earlier said they were that she, no, he was 17 when he met Johnson in 1933. So that's meaning that he says Johnson might've been a year older than him. So around in 1933, they're guessing that he was 18, but, uh, Shines quoted describing Johnson in his um in, in Samuel Charter's Robert Johnson book as Robert was a very friendly person, even though he was very sulky at times, you know. And I hung around Robert for quite a while. One evening he disappeared. He was kind of a peculiar fellow. Robert be standing up playing some place, playing like nobody's business at about that time. It was a hustle with him. As well as pleasure and money to be coming from all directions, but Robert just pick up and walk off and leave you standing there playing, and you wouldn't see Robert no more. Maybe in two or three weeks. So Robert and I, Robert and I, we began journeying off, and just a matter of fact, tagging along. During this time, Johnson established what would be a relatively long-term relationship with. Estella Coleman, a woman about 15 years his senior and the mother of blues musician Robert Lockwood Jr. So he starts banging this dude's mom. Again, so she's dead, right? Uh, We'll see. Johnson reportedly cultivated a woman to look after him, and each time he played, he reputedly asked homely. (laughs) Are you good? (laughs) He homely young women living in the country oh, with nice. their families whether he can go home with them. And in most cases, he was accepted until a boyfriend arrived or just, or Johnson was ready to move on. God dang. And I then,
1: like how they made sure to point out these were homely women. These
0: were rough faces. <laughs> they were ugly. Wow.
1: Well, homely is a little more polite, well, right? yeah.
0: Well, yeah. You know, yeah, well, yeah. cute, cute, homely face. <laughs> you know? She looks like a home could be had. On her face, you uh, <laughs> know what that means. In 1941, no comment. In 1941, Alan Lomax learned from Muddy Waters, who's a great, great artist. Uh, he's in Cadillac Records, played by Columbus Short. Mm. Back when Columbus Short was still someone. Uh, Beyonce's in that movie. Oh yeah. Adrian Brody also is. Oh. Beyonce plays Etta James. Then Adrian Brody plays something, I forgot to do, is Checker, something Checker. It's about Checker records or some shit. Yeah, it's a good movie. And Chuck Berry is also in it. Oh, really? Not actual Chuck Berry. Something He's played by in, yeah. most death. Oh, okay. But he has a pretty important part in it. But uh, Johnson, he learned from Muddy Waters that Johnson had performed in an area around Clarksdale, Mississippi. By 1959... Historian Samuel Charters could only add that William, I mean Will Shade of the Memphis Jug Band, remembered Johnson, having once played with him in West Memphis, Arkansas. In the last year of his life, Johnson is believed to have traveled to St. Louis and possibly Illinois, and, to, and then to some states in the East. In 1938, Columbia Records producer John H. Hammond, who owned some of Johnson's records, directed the record producer Don Law. To seek out Johnson, to book him for their first from spirits I mean from spiritual to so swing concert in Carnegie Hall. And then in and that's at New York. Everyone knows what Carnegie Hall is. And then he learned that Johnson was dead. Whoa. So so he couldn't really get him, so he just replaced him with the Big Bill Brunzi. But he played two Johnson's records on stage. how did he die? We're gonna get to that. Okay. Soul ripped out of his body. We're going to get to that. You piece of fucking feces. <laughs> but, uh... I don't like getting bullied here. You... Well, you should change your face. <laughs> so, uh... I'm homely. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> but you were thinking it. You said it, though. No, so... <laughs> If you ever, so you would also probably wonder how the fuck was he recording this shit?
1: I was going to ask if he was like traveling around and changing his name uh, so often and never like sticking one place or with one identity. Yeah. How did he become known as like the most famous or one of the most famous guitarists of all time and, you know, have all this recorded music?
0: Yeah, so in around 1936 in Jackson, Mississippi, Johnson sought off. He sought out H.C. Spire, who ran a, a general store and also acted as a talent scout. I mean scout. So he puts Johnson in touch with Ernie Odell, who was a salesman for the A.R.C. group of labels, who introduced Johnson to Don, to Don Law, and that's how he records his first sessions in San Antonio, Texas. In November 23rd, 1936 in room 414 of the Gunter Hotel in San Antonio. And they record for three days. And Johnson played 16 selections and recorded alternate takes for all of them. And then he was like, that's where most of his recordings come from. He also recorded in... And this is where at least the crossword blues comes from this time when he was recording that, his, which is one of his biggest songs. He also recorded uh, in, I think, Dallas with Don Law again in a makeshift studio in 1937. So he was recording mostly with Don Law. And by the time that, you know, he died, he only has. 29 songs that make up his entire discography. Really? And he's
1: considered the fifth greatest guitarist of all time? Yes. That's pretty incredible. It
0: also shows how you are terrible because you didn't even know who he was. Well, he's only got 29 songs. Yeah, you fucking bum. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of him before. I haven't. Remember when you didn't hear about Janelle Monet? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I live under <laughs> a rock. <laughs> somewhere little Dickie is laughing like at <laughs> hey, you like you he's laughing at you though uh, he's chilling on a boat not putting on music but oh. uh, so that's where all his discovery comes from so let's get into the death
1: alright let's get into it I'm ready
0: so guess how old he was when he died
1: 35 27 no he wasn't
0: 20 fucking seven. The 27 club, man. Allegedly.
1: Allegedly, there's a 27 club.
0: Well, I'm saying we don't like. Oh, all
1: I think he's 27? Yeah, I'm okay. thinking
0: he is 27. So Johnson died on August 16th, 1938, at the age of 27, near Greenwood, Mississippi, of unknown causes. Several differing accounts have described the, place, the events preceding his death. Johnson had been playing for a few weeks at a country dance in town about 15 miles from Greenwood. According to one theory, Johnson was murdered by the jealous husband of a woman with whom he had flirted. A homely woman. Yes. An account by blues magician Son and Boy Williamson. Johnson had been flirting with a married woman at the dance, and she gave him a, body of, a bottle of whiskey. Oh, uh-huh. his weakness. Poisoned by her Two things right there uh, Whiskey and women Yep Poisoned by her husband Oh shit When Johnson took the bottle Williamson knocked it out of his hand Admonishing him to never drink from a bottle That he had not personally seen opened
1: Mm, That's a good good rule
0: Johnson replied Don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand (laughs) Bitch (laughs) Soon after He was offered another poison bottle And he accepted it Wow How many poison Why why shouldn't you trying to kill him? (laughs) Because he keeps fucking their wives. Yeah. Johnson's reports have begun feeling ill the evening after, and he had been helped back to his room in the early morning hours. Over the next three days, his condition steadily worsened. Witnesses reported that he died in a convulsive state of severe pain. The musicologist Robert McCormick claimed to have tracked down the man who murdered Johnson and to have obtained a confession from him in a personal interview, but he declined to reveal the man's name. Uh, strychnine, I guess, which is a type of you know poison. Yeah, that was suggested Have been the one that was used to kill him. But this was disputed by Tom Graves. You, that's me, in his book Crossword Crossword
1: Crosswords
0: <laughs> Crosswords. <laughs> How you do them? When you do them? And what time you do them? Uh, Crossroads: The Life and Afterlife of Blues Legend. Robert Johnson. He relies on expert testimony from toxicologists to argue that strychnine has been, it has like a very distinct odor and taste that cannot be disguised, even in strong liquor. Really? So he would, he's saying that he would have like smoked that shit immediately. Immediately. Oh my. Get this why do they think it was face. that? Uh, I don't know why they just, I think probably because that's what McCormick said the guy told him. Oh, okay. McCormick says that the guy who he said told him that he murdered Robert. Well, maybe Johnson. he just like
1: whiskey so much he was like, never like, had this one before. Like, Ooh,
0: we do some good shit. And then he just died. And then he was like, good. <laughs> Next thing you know, oh, my fucking gut. Oh, shit. I got a shit on myself. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's dead. Well, we all are. Or. Or. No, uh so. Graves also claims that a significant amount of it would have had to be consumed in one setting to be fatal, and that death from the poison would occur within hours, not days. Johnson's contemporary, contemporary other people similarly note that he I mean that the poison could not have been in strychnine since Johnson would have died much more rapidly instead of suffering for three days. The Lafleur County Register, Cornelia Johns—I mean Cornelia Jordan—after conducting an investigation into Johnson's death for the state of Director of Vital Statistics, Aaron Ritfield wrote on Johnson's death certificate that I talked with the white man on whose place this. <laughs> I'm going to read it because this has to be authentic. Okay. <clears throat> I talked with the white man on whose place this Negro died. And I also talked with a negro woman on this on the place. The plantation owner said that the negro man, seemingly about twenty six years old, came from Tunica, to or three weeks before he died, to play banjo at a Negro dance, oh my given God. on <laughs> given there on the plantation, he stayed in the house with some of the Negroes, saying he wanted to pick. <laughs> That's his favorite word. Holy shit! <laughs> saying that he wanted to pick cotton. The white man did not have a doctor for this Negro, as he had not worked for him. He was buried in a homemade coffin furnished by the con- uh, by the county. The plantation owner said it was his opinion that the man died of syphilis. <laughs>
1: What the, that was one of the most racist things I've heard in my
0: life. This is from Cornelia Jordan. And this is what his death certificate says. Wow. <laughs> I love how it went from poisoning to syphilis. to syphilis. I also love how they just went into a whole description of, he came over here, <laughs> talked about, he wants to go stay with other colors. Play the banjo. He goes, wants to play banjo at this Negro dance fair. <laughs> and he goes stays with the rest of them. Then he was talking about how he wanted to pick some goddamn cotton. (laughs) That's
1: that's the weirdest detail ever.
0: Next thing we know, he's dead.
1: All I want to do is play the banjo
0: and pick cotton. No, I think he died of syphilis.
1: (laughs) Also, he looked to be about 26 years old. I think. If I had to to guess, 26.
0: Yeah, if I had to guess. Three months, 14 days. Yeah, if I had to, you know, look up in the sky. I mean, I don't really care because he's (laughs) colored. But (laughs) if I had to really guess, I'd say about 26. I mean... That's a, that's a ballpark That's though. a ballpark That's what I mean that's just a, The guess So let was getting To his grave site Because this is Also interesting Because they don't Know where he's grave, Like where he's Buried Oh really He has uh, Three different Markers And like So he has Three different Spots where he Could have been Buried So Research in the 1980s and 1990s Suggested Johnson Was buried in the Graveyard of Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church near Morgan City Mississippi in an unmarked grave, one a one ton cenotaph centot- in the shape of an obelisk is listing all of Johnson's song titles with a central inscription by Peter Grolnick was placed at the location in 1990, paid for by Columbia Records. And then there's another one. There's a smaller one in, in 1990 which says "Resting in the Blues," which was placed on the in the cemetery of Payne Chapel near Qu- Quarto. Mississippi by Atlantic, Atlanta rock group named uh, Tombstones after they saw a photograph in Living Blues magazine of an unmarked spot alleged by one of Johnson's ex-girlfriends to be his burial spot. More recent research by Stephen LeVere includes statements from Rosie Eskridge, the wife of the supposed gravedigger in 2000. Uh, indicates that the actual gravesite is under a big pecan tree in the cemetery of the Little Zion Church, North of Greenwood, along Money Road. So Levere, Sony... And then, because of that, Levere and Sony Music placed a marker at the spot, which bears Levere's name and Johnson's. So, yeah. Interesting. And he was most likely... Uh, and the John Hammer Jr. in a documentary called The Search for Robert Johnson in 1991 suggested that he owed, I mean, that because of his poverty and lack of transportation, Johnson is most likely to have been buried in a pauper's grave or potter's field very near where he died. So
1: was the cross thing, was it a legend before before he came around or is he the, the start of it?
0: I'm guessing either, I'm guessing it was he was the start Okay. Like they, they're, because they're, I mean, other people they have said that, you know, there's been many other artists since then that have said have sold their souls to the yeah. devil. But I'm guessing Robert Johnson was a star because of he would talk about the devil and his music. And also the fact that he was a terrible, terrible guitarist and then comes back and becomes one of the greatest guitars of all time, which is like, holy shit, how do you do that in such short time? But now we can get into the, the legend of. What the fuck? You know, the devil shit. Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? Are you fucking ready? I think so. You fucking ready? So according to legend, as a young man living on a plantation in rural Mississippi, Johnson had a tremendous desire to become a great blues musician. He was instructed to take his guitar to a cross world near Dockery Plantation at midnight.
1: Really? He was instructed to? Yes. Is this the legend or is this actually what happened? This is the legend. Okay.
0: There he was met by a large black man, the devil who took the guitar and tuned it. The devil played a few songs and then returned the guitar to Johnson, giving him mastery of the instrument. This was a deal with the devil marrying the legend of Faust. In exchange for her soul, Johnson was able to create the blues for which she became famous. And the legend was developed over time and has been chronicled by uh, Gail Dean Wardlow and many others who sees the legend as largely dating from Johnson's rediscovery by white friends by white folks, you, by your your kind, <laughs> more than two decades after his death, Sunhouse once told the story to Peter Welding, I mean Pete Welding, as in explanation of Johnson's astonishingly rapid mastery of the guitar. Walden well, reported it as a serious belief in a widely read article in Downbeat in 1966. Under in, Other interviewers failed to elicit any confirmation from House, and there were fully two years between House's observation of Johnson as first as a novice and then as a master. So they're saying he got two years to just get his shit together.
1: Fast yeah. and in an extremely yes. different manner.
0: Yeah. Further details were uh, absorbed from imaginative retellings by Greel, Marcus, and Robert Palmer. More significantly, the detail was added that Johnson received his gift from a large black man at a crossroads. There's dispute as to how and when the crossroads detail was attached to the, jo- to the Johnson story. All the, publish- publish- all the published fucking evidence. <laughs> Fuck me. Anytime, Include a full oh. chapter on the subject in the biography Crossroads by Tom Graves. You That's me. suggested an origin in the story of the blues musician Tommy Johnson, also you, but in black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. Okay, I take it back. The story was collected from his music- um, his musical associate and his elder brother Liddell. In the 1960s, one version of Liddell Johnson's account was published in David Evans' 1971 biography of Tommy Johnson and was repeated in print in 1982 for The Searching for Robert Johnson. In another story, Liddell placed the meeting not at a crossroads, but in a graveyard. Yeah, this that pres- makes more sense. Like- yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this resembles the story told by Steve Levier that Ike Zimmerman of Hazelhurst, Mississippi, learned to play the guitar at midnight while sitting on tombstones. Zimmerman is believed to have influenced the playing of a young Johnson. So, uh, recent blues scholar Bruce uh, Conforth in Living Blues magazine makes the story clearer. He says Johnson and Zimmerman, uh, who he first provided, like, the, you know, Spelling the shit in his Social Security guard, his card and Social Security death notice on his funeral program. Um, did practice in the graveyard at night because it was quiet and no one would disturb them. That's fair. That's a that's fair enough reason. Yep. Yeah, but it was not the Hazelhurst Cemetery as it believed. Zimmerman was not from Hazelhurst, but near Beauregard. And he did not practice in one graveyard, but in several in the area. Johnson spent about a year living with and learning from Zimmerman, who ultimately accompanied Johnson back to the Delta to look after him. While Dockery, uh, Hazelhurst, and Beauregard have each been claimed as the locations of the mythical uh, crossroads, there are also tourist attractions claiming to be the crossroads in both Clarkson and Memphis. The residents of Rosedale, Mississippi claim that Johnson sold his soul to the devil At the interstate of Highways 1 and 8 In their town While the 1986 movie Crossroads Was filmed oh. in be- With Ralph? Beulah, Mississippi The Booz historian uh, Steve Cheese, I mean Chessbrower Wrote that it may be Impossible to discover the exact location Of the mythical Crossroads Because Robert Johnson was a rambling guy Yeah, I get so, by that Yeah There it is. Interesting. That was a story. Very interesting. I assume then, uh, soon enough, we'll get to you doing the 27 Club. Oh, yeah. At some point, I want to tackle the 27 Club because there's... The thing with that is, though, there's so many artists in there that all could have their own episodes. That's honestly the weirdest part to
1: me is that he also died at 27. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, wait. The devil stuff is one thing, but also, if he practiced... here's, Here's the thing. If he practiced at at night in graveyards and we already know he was releasing secular music so he wasn't mm-hmm. really like godly or anything like that which means he probably wasn't superstitious and he's just like i'm gonna pray just in graveyards quiet and everyone else can be worried about superstition so i'll have it all to myself and then i can understand how the legend could get pinned on him that way mm-hmm. and maybe he just practiced a lot yeah i mean it's not impossible that you could it's not it's possible that you could become a master you just have to have Extraordinary talent and dedication,
0: yeah. And if you just constantly do it, if that's all you're doing, yeah. And then, then I can yeah,
1: yeah, like I said, if you're practicing in a graveyard, I can see how people would be like, All right, yeah, you fucking a Satan worshiper, you son of a
0: bitch. get out, out of, there.
1: And also, because he was black, people were probably oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, no, no,
0: yeah, yeah, hold on, boy, what are you doing in that graveyard? Yeah, yeah, but I will say, if you, I'll do this, if I do four people. From the Twenty Seven Club, four artists subconsciously, and someone notices that I've done four. Then I will do an episode in the Twenty Seven Club. Just make sure you remind me.
1: Was this the first one?
0: This technically is the second one, but wow. the first one doesn't count. It's a lost tape. The first, the first one was an off the record. One between me and you, where we just sitting without a table anywhere.
1: Well, actually, there's 51 tables. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, there was a lot of tables in the room, and me and you got lost, and we were just talking <laughs> about it. Somehow, Jim Morrison got brought in there, but so I don't know what happened to that one. But this is going to be the official first one. So if I do this three other times, and you, someone notices it, bring it up. Be like, hey, you've done the fourth one now. All right. So the next person, the very next topic I do, no matter what the fuck I was gonna do, I'll do the 27 Club and all that's all right, fair enough
1: yep so Tom do your shit plug your shit so make sure you uh like that. actually yeah, that was a nice crunch say so next week we're gonna have an episode on uh something you might not expect a little something that uh kind of brightens up your life
0: it's Tom's mom jambalaya recipe
1: I love jambalaya but my mom just make jambalaya oh wow um no, it's something that'll brighten up your day. I'll tell you that, and that's that's the hint I'll give you. But if you want to join the club, make sure you do so by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tom and You know how to spell it by now, and I remembered it this week.
0: Yeah, you did.
1: Um, that's all I got to say. Tune in next week, and Amir.
0: All right, as they always say, man, I'm sitting right here in this graveyard. Oh shit, is that the devil? No, it's just it's just me at this graveyard, man. Let me pick up this thing. Oh my God, <laughs> that episode was full.